We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed, disease in remission, stories rewritten. We're Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU, and we nurture the champion in every child. We fight the forces that threaten them, and we play to win. Learn how at chrichmond.org. Hi there, listeners. This is Jim the Keys, bartender, coming to you on a slow Memorial weekend. Yes, you've heard the stories of your avid listener to the show. We uh, haven't, the pla- at least the place I work, uh, it seems more like part-time to work there. And it's not because I'm getting reduced hours, it's just the possibility that a key employee can't make it in and it may sound like I'm bitching but I'm actually taking advantage of the time I have off and you know I'm taking the philosophy of uh, to heart of making hay when the sun shines so here was a big holiday weekend we're leading up to it we missed a day we got two more days we're missing because we just can't work the guy we can't work the one employee who's our main chef every day there's so many people, so many restaurants that need employees that it's just, just a, there's not enough people down here to keep the ball rolling. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that in particular. When I say not enough people down here, it is Memorial Day weekend. And there was speculation that traveling was going to go crazy in, in Florida and all that. With everything else going on, right, you know, uh, inflation affecting fuel prices, hotel rooms, and all those things, uh, hitting people's bottom lines, that there was an expectation that Florida was going to see a great increase in traffic, or not just Florida, they were expecting in the Keys. There was an expectation of that, let's say, and... We're going to talk about expectations shortly, but what actually occurred this weekend, we had a about the usual or even a little less than usual volume they normally had. So we didn't have a ton of visitors from out of town, and the locals we didn't see. Is that is is that whenever whenever there's a big holiday or something where we get a volume of people down here, there's a habit of a significant portion of the local population deciding not to go out, stay close to home, do barbecues, things like that, especially because the weather's so nice here for so much time around the year. You know, it's just a, every, we rarely, you know, every so often we get weather in the lower 60s. It doesn't rain a ton. Um, but I was saying every time, you know, it drops to, into the sixties, people act like it's an Arctic cold front and they dress as if they're at base camp on K2 Mount Everest for you uninitiated. So we had an expectation of business and all that. And it didn't turn out that way. And, and, uh, we could, 
bemoan the fact that I did uh, I didn't do the research, but the wife did, and she noticed that the hotel room prices are coming back more in line with what they used to be. Yeah, we went way out of control. They were, I mean, when it comes to hotel rooms, hotel rooms, it's not the hotelers, when I say hotelers, people that run hotels. I'm not saying they're greedy bastards or anything like that. You got to think about it. Hotels and motels are almost the most extreme capitalist item that we have. And I'll just give you an example of that. Um, yes, we do say demand dictates the price of something that happens of fuel, but there's also reverse pressures. When the price gets too high, then government gets involved and to do that. Now, with hotel rooms, they're immediately priced by demand. So if they're booking, if they're booking hotel rooms, they'll, they'll notice that if we have this certain amount of occupancy booked, seventy-five percent, we got twenty-five percent of our rooms left. Um, we want to sell. Um, we don't have to sell the rooms, so we can raise the price a bit and create create demand. Because there is a demand when there's only twenty-five percent of the rooms left. Let's say a week or two before. So what happened, this is my estimation, is that we had this crazy demand for rooms for the longest time. And we had a reduced amount of people that would service those rooms. When I say service, is uh, hotel workers. They had smaller staff, smaller cream, you know, maid service, uh, custodial service, whatever you want to call it. They had a reduced amount of people down here. More than, uh, I think, than the general population would expect. We've always heard the last year and a half that people have been trying um, like hell to hire people. But we're in a tourist community and our prices are jacked up. I mean, for standard housing, it's 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 uh, close to 50% more than it was a couple of years ago. And I know that's in some of the big cities. You hear that crazy stuff about people, their, their rent going from $1,200 to $3,000. That's just incredible. <clears throat> so maybe we can add apartments to the list of hotel rooms. So hotel rooms, there were hotel rooms that normally would be under $200 that they were, and I saw, I saw the... Uh, I saw the rates. I saw over five hundred bucks for a non, you know, for a, a, a hotel that doesn't have room service, has minimal amounts of services and accoutrements with it. They were charging five hundred bucks a night. Now they're they're clean. They got parking. I think that's pretty much it. They may have like a a coffee thing in the morning but they're still demanding 500 now at the nicer hotels they're going $1,200 $1,600 crazy crazy amount of food a f crazy amount of increase for a room rate so <clears throat> we charged it when we could because there was a lot of people a lot of places could they couldn't go a lot of different places when they were reopening up their um, COVID 
And people didn't like the restrictions other places uh, put on people. So they figured the keys, being in Florida, had the least amount of restrictions. And we probably had some bleed over from last year. <clears throat> but our prices spiked incredibly. Now, unless there's more people vacationing than ever before, those people had gone to other places before. And we lost a lot of our farm visitors. We lost a lot of our farm visitors recently. <clears throat> Hence, because of the strong dollar, the dollar is a lot stronger. So we have all these competing things driving tourism down here. Some of it could be weather. Actually, it's a little cloudy today. It's Sunday on Memorial Day weekend. Normally, everyone says it always, it always rains on Memorial Day weekend or 4th of July. Well, it's part of the rainy season, so it is going to rain a bit. But rarely do we get the multi-day rains that other places see. Or all-day rain. We get intermittent showers. Sometimes we do get the all-day. It's a rarity, though. But that when it shows up, when it shows for a holiday weekend, we lose all the people that were going to be coming down that had on short-term notice, notice, meaning that they're going to, that we missed the day trippers. Why would the day trippers come to the Keys if they're going to have bad weather? Unless they're going all the way down to Key West. So other people say, you know, I've heard other people say, oh, yeah, the restaurant was busy. The restaurant's busy. They don't know what's restaurants. Uh, only restaurants know if they're busy. Now, you're going to say, how do you mean I can see if a restaurant knows it's busy? No, there's, the, the restaurant knows if it's busy, meaning it's, it has enough people to service the amount of tables they have. That's a restaurant's job. Now, sometimes people say, well, there was a lot of people there. Well, they could be standing around drinking. That doesn't mean they're eating. They're meeting people and stuff like that. They may not be that busy, and they know by their sales how busy they were. They can quantitatively show that. So, I always thought that since we took, um, the prices went up, and the people that came down here really probably spent a large chunk of their vacation income here when they've been here the last two years. Because there wasn't a lot of different places to go, and we really didn't do much about it. I don't think the restaurant prices went up as much. You can't do that with restaurant prices. Because you have another competing thing with restaurants. you got locals. And if you raise your prices too high, the locals won't come out. They'll say, oh, I can just buy the food and make it at home. But not so with the hotels. They don't care. People live here anyway. They don't need to go and use a hotel room. They may be surprised if their friends come to visit and if the hotel rooms get a little high. If their friends come and visit and it's five, $600 a night, they may say, hey, listen, we're going to get an inflatable bed for you. So now they... They won't even go to the hotel. Why spend 600 bucks? We can go out for a couple dinners and pay for our, all our food if you stay at our house. So, rather this, so this, we might be, we might be doing that, but either way, either way, it really doesn't matter. Because <clears throat> there's next week and a week after next. People always say, if we were down the Jersey Shore and there were bars uh, there. They expect a Memorial Weekend. They, it's supposed to be slim. Right now, um, as I speak, it's around 1.30 p.m. On a Sunday, down to Jersey Shore, if every place wasn't packed, 
they think that they're screwed for the summer. Not so here. Not so here. We had a very long seasons, meaning our normal seasons were normally only like seven to eight weeks long, or busy season. It was probably no, you know, not much longer than Lent, and then it just kept on getting longer, longer, and longer, longer. They used to only hire seasonal people down here, meaning you needed like twice to three times the amount of employees for certain intensive tourist destinations that you need, then you needed off-season. But since the off-season isn't that much, luckily, um, if it doesn't drop that much, that means you could probably keep the same amount of people as possible. Same, you know, try to keep it closely to the same amount of people and then you rearrange your schedule. And I think that seems to be what's happening down here. Because today with the weather and stuff like that, it's only like the average temperature at most is 10 degrees to 12 degrees warmer on a suitable day. Now there's colder. I don't, I throw out the coldest weeks. The, I'll throw out the coldest four weeks. Don't measure those. And the warmest two weeks. In between there... The temperature is about 10, 12 degrees. It doesn't get super hot down here because we're uh, surrounded by water. It doesn't get super cold down here because we're surrounded by subtropical waters. So we're sitting pretty. So a lot of times you look at people and say, oh, this weekend, I expected to make a lot of money. Hell, in the old days, I would have thought the same thing. And then we start projecting, and this is the way it's going to be. We're not going to have anybody here. It's going to be slow. People aren't traveling down the Keys anymore. They don't have money for the gas. So, whatever it is, I wouldn't let you get. I wouldn't let it get you down too much if you're working down here, and if you're not down here, if you're a listener and you're listening because you like the Florida Keys. It looks like there's going to be a good time to come and visit. Because the lodging it looks to be dropping. And if the, you know, the crowds stay away, they're going, to have to, they're going to have to bite the bullet and drop the price. So I'm going to move on from there. Well, I want to talk about bars now. You know, sometimes, rarely... When we think of a bar, especially in the tourist area like we are, people are coming in to have a good time. Right? I've, I've, I only once had to, well, it was one time someone came in so intoxicated that they were ready to order a drink. They're not so intoxicated they were ready they were ready to order a drink and they were and I'm looking at them saying, Oh, this guy's gonna order a drink and I'm not gonna serve him. I'd had decided before he opened his mouth. And what he did is we're gonna drink. And I go, No, you're not drinking here. And people look at me and say, What are you doing? He says, I'm in the keys. I'm in the... I said, You're not <laughs> we're not that's not my job is not to get you intoxicated and you're intoxicated now and I'm not going to serve you anymore. You could end up getting alcohol poisoning and dying. 
at this point, I have no, I have no uh, responsibility here other than to tell you that you had enough to drink. I'm glad you give you some water. That's that was one the only time he did. It. Most people come in here; they're just have, looking to have a good time. Sometimes they don't can't handle the liquor. That's fine. I'm going to tell you. I'm the I'm the ultimate decider there. You can say all you want. You say no. It's not up to you. It's not. A, no. I mean, I won't serve you, and I don't do it that often. I don't do it that often. So, but when I do, I'm like, you can serve this person. You're going to drive that person too, and I only do it to someone who's like I only let the owner do that. But I'm not going to make a drink for him, even when someone tells me to do that. And I wouldn't expect someone to do something that goes against their belief system too. So I won't go and over serve someone who's clearly very intoxicated. I've served people who had, you know, that live in a neighborhood that don't drive and all that stuff. I have driven, I had driven them home and some people that are getting picked up. I have, yeah, they, they definitely wouldn't have been able to drive. But, you know, in this case, when someone's clearly arriving, I was just saying, hey, listen, man, you got to go with water now. Or coffee. Not, not that that's going to make you able to get a drink a little later. But that's not part of it. So you got people that come in and they're looking to have a good time. I got a little sidetracked. But other people going in there because they have issues. They have issues. And when I say issues, sometimes you hear issues saying there's something wrong with the person. Well, yeah, there is something wrong with the person. I'm not saying there's something mentally wrong with them. It's that they're disturbed. They're disturbed. They're, their mind is disturbed and they need to unload it. I'm not talking about the person that comes in and starts shouting, you know, create, um, starts faking a Tourette syndrome attack where they go, you know, say shit, fuck, goddamn, and all that stuff. We have people that talk like that all the time, shit, fuck, goddamn, and they're not, they don't have Tourette's. That's just the way they talk. But there's some people that come in here and all they want to do is unburden the trauma they have experienced. Yeah, it happens every so often. I had uh, the people come in and they sit and they start crying. Because you're going to ask them how they're doing. How, how, you, how have, hi, how have you been? You say that to the right person. You say it enough times. Every so often you get someone, they, they just let it go. You know, I've had uh, one particular good uh, patron I was close to and uh, I am still am close to and she had lost her husband and his son all within a couple months all within a couple months the husband was sick and the son wasn't doing so hot but he wasn't I don't think he was supposed to die then but she she was going through a lot and she just when I asked, I say how, when I knew, I knew it when I was talking to her, how hard, I, and I expected to get the reaction that I got from her. But there's other people when they come in, they sit there and you can't tell. You say, hi, how are you? And then you find out they, they're not doing so hot. I'm going to tell you about their partner or their you know, husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, is ill, broken up, this, that. Um, 
gosh, one uh, young woman, this was a couple of years back, and uh, she had come in and said she had she had some an encounter with somebody. She, I said, if you don't feel like, you know, don't talk to me, you got to talk to somebody, though. She had an encounter with someone, I think of the opposite sex, it sounded like there, there may have been some, um, something went on. I, I, I asked you, is there anything you need to say to me or this? I said, well, you either have, you have to talk to someone. Um, I would talk to someone you're comfortable talking to and see if they'd be happy, you know, if they would help you, you know, find help. Because she wasn't comfortable telling me what happened, but she wanted to say something. I said, well, then you're going to have to say something. You can't walk around like that. <clears throat> a hard-working professional woman. You know? And, uh, and they get incredible details. And some of them I can't even talk about because it'll lead you back to what they were initially. Um, it would lead you back to their identification down here. A small community we are. You know? There was one. Uh, there was one guy's girlfriend passed away. I mean, when I say girlfriend, she passed away from, it seemed like uh, she died because she was in her, I think she was, uh, she had some drug and alcohol issues, but she was in her 60s. She looked like she could be in her 70s, mid-70s, right? A poorly maintained, I hate to say it like that, and her boyfriend was maybe uh, my age, but he looked like he was he was mid sixties at the time. This is a couple of years back, and she had died, and I didn't know the whole story. But he's drinking, and it, as it turns out, he was pretending to use trauma as a means to you know justify him drinking. A day after um, his girlfriend passed away with another woman. It wasn't like it was not. It wouldn't be sexy enough for a a TV movie. If you saw these people, it'd be the most depressing TV movie you'd ever want to see. But he was talking about how, you know, how depressed he was about that. But he's always was out seeking drugs and alcohol and stuff like that before. I mean, that's to my my knowledge. Every encounter I had with him. But there's other people. There's. Uh, People that uh, veterans that come in, um, I I am uh, definitely pro vet uh, strong strongly pro veteran. I am. Matter of fact, it was uh, twenty almost twenty years ago. I'd have to say, no twenty thirty years ago. I was talking to a gentleman who was a fighter pilot in the European theater operation, U.S. fighter pilot, Army Army Air Corps. It was during World War II. And he was a, he was an ace. I was told by other guys who were at this function, it was a veterans function, and he came out and he had his drink in his hand. And this, so, this is the early 90s, mid-90s, and so it's about 50 years since he flew. And 
he came up. I knew he was an ace. And I'm just saying, hey, thank you. I told him, thank you for your service, sir. He was like this. And I go, well, I'm a, I'm a, I was a history major, so I really read up on those stu that stuff. And he was looked at me, and he just started tearing up. And he says, there were so many guys I knew that never came back. And I don't... And he said it. It sounded like a cliche, and it's always felt unfair that they didn't get to come back. And I, 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 I just remember the guy it was really heartfelt, and he came to commiserate with people that kind of understood him, which I understand. But he didn't. He he. And he wore his. And he when they come to the veterans functions, they always wore their pin. They wore their hats. Something like that. So in hopes of running into people, saying, "Oh, you're we're here. What, what detachment you're in?" They relive this stuff, and they they try to share and see how their other guys are doing, and see that they're all right. They're all right. They themselves are all right because they see these other people going through the same thing. The one thing I do have is when you say you have trauma, but you wear things so you have people come up and ask you about it. Now, that may be the way you deal with trauma, but, you know, most people that have really bad PTSD and stuff like that, they don't like telling people they have PTSD. That's one of the hallmarks of having it. You don't want to, you don't want it. And you don't want to tell anybody about it. Right, it's like it's like being having an STD if you're a sex worker. You don't want people. I mean, it's horrible. You shouldn't tell people if you are, but no, you you don't need people announcing that you do. It's just one of those things. You don't want to. It is it, it's, it's torturous for those people. But when they come in and. They start talking over the bar and stuff like that. There's some of them. One in particular, I mean, there's people in there, they never went in combat. They talk about loading and stuff. Yeah, they did the things they had to do, right? But they never really been. And there's people that I know that have been in combat they haven't seen. So it's this faithful balance. People say, well, people should deal with it any way they want. Well, certainly. But I have people that don't like talking about it. And you, they don't want to, you know, if you're going to go and talk about it and stuff like that, they don't want to hear about either you're real or I'm going to say your fake trauma. Okay? Meaning some people may be fake and then the people that went through it don't, they, I knew, I knew of gentlemen and only knew from reputation. He never told me. I used to hang out with him all the time at a bar. And he was in Chosan Reservoir during the Korean War when uh, upwards of one million Chinese troops streamed into North Korea when the uh, United Nations forces almost took back all North Korea back in their early 50s. But the Chinese decided that they couldn't have that, so they poured all their troops in and it surrounded um, at the, uh, some Marines in the northern, off this reservoir in northern Korea called Chosan. And they weren't resupplied. They had to fight a fighting withdrawal against vastly superior numbers. And they fought heroically. They, they, uh, they fought heroically, but there was a lot of bad things. When I was, it was sub-freezing temperatures, sometimes sub-zero temperatures, and all this stuff. And this guy named was Zapper. 
That was his name. His nickname was Zapper. He was a police officer at one time, but he was a retired police officer. But before he was a police officer, he was a Marine in, Viet, in, in Korea. And he didn't, he, he meant to say Zapper. He'll just say, yep, yep, that's what we call me, Zapper, Zapper. And he would never explain why. <laughs> he would never explain why. I mean, other people explained to me, that's what the guy did. He was, he was a sniper in Chosan. He killed lots and lots of lot, And and he he did not like talking about it. And he didn't spend there. Some, I, very few places I went where these guys were wanting to talk about those things. Huh. It felt like every time they had to do it, they felt a little less. You know, very deep individuals. They just say, yeah, some shit. That's why they call it the shit. So the, some people come in and discuss this trauma. They don't want to talk. They want to let go trauma. They Like, obviously, uh, I don't think we do enough for our vets and stuff like that. Actually, uh, I'm not a big fan of the, the, the charities for them because... They shouldn't need charities because when you, you know, give up, you have a disability due to your service, you should be taken care of 100%. They shouldn't have to have a charity for them. I mean, it's nice if they want to do extra for them, sure, but they shouldn't have any of their minimum requires or their requirements met. They should have them met. So there should be no charities for that. There could be charities for cruises, whatever they want to do, uh, dream, uh, you know, let's make a dream stuff. That's all wonderful, but not... I hate it when I hear people's necessities aren't being met after they sacrifice so much. But I get back to trauma. There's plenty of trauma services for that. But there isn't always for people that just experience trauma. They aren't. So some people want to talk about it. And rarely when they do come and talk about it, the people that experience real trauma, they kind of whisper it to you. They don't want everyone to know. They're just telling you. They don't tell the whole bar. I like when they're telling the whole bar and stuff like that. And I don't know. I say, oh, I don't know how real this is. I'm not talking trauma or war or anything like this. I'm talking about any trauma. We're talking about experience they went through with another person. If they really, a lot of times when they really go through something bad, they, they just want to tell you because they don't want everyone to know they went through that stuff. But I always find it interesting that they choose that place to do it that place to do it and it's the only place they know that you know they don't have a religious advisor or anything like that but you're going to come in and deal with that and I can understand I can handle it I've been able to handle it it's not that bad it's not as much as I don't know how psychiatrist I don't know how the religious, I don't know how a priest do it if they, I mean, if, I don't know, maybe people don't come to come with their problems as much. But I know um, psychologists, they get, they, they get their own trauma just from, you know, if they have empathy, they're going to get depressed. They're going to get depressed. Now, I don't, I don't hear enough of where it happens that, for me, but I, I can see it. And you know what, if you're not, I mean, it's bad enough having to go to a professional. Sometimes professionals aren't that good. Going to someone who's not professional 
you just have to say, hey, listen, you know, you can I can still care and still tell someone you're going to have to seek good help or help from multiple places. And people say, when you hear help from multiple places, yeah, you're so sick, you need more. No, what I'm saying is you just need to get the right kind of help and getting that right kind of help some, as long as they're not conflicting, you know, uh, you know, you want to ha have enough irons in the fire to get the right result. Imagine you go to the worst person in the world to get advice, and that's that's where you're going to for that. That's hey, unburdening yourself may be that easy. Sometimes you don't even have to say anything to them. I say you have someone to talk to. You know, do you have? I mean, other than me. Well. I'm going to end it that. And if you don't have someone to talk to, you got to go and find someone to talk to. There's always, there's groups and stuff like that. Now that's online, you got to be uh, careful in that. Don't go with one source. Don't go with, you know, any extreme advice right away. Come on. You got to be sensible about that. Try to be sensible and be responsible to yourself. You got to be responsible to yourself first, and then you can be responsible to the other people. I'd like to thank you for listening, and I will be back. B -b -b back. I'd like that, be back on today's Sunday. I'll be back tomorrow. Bye.